0: If you could turn in your Bible to John 21 or in the front of your uh, bulletin, Uh, we're going to start at verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God, And and he said to him, follow me. The beginning of the chapter that was in your bulletin, chapter 21.
1: This takes place after the resurrection of Jesus. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, means the twin, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat. You will find some. When they did... They were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, For they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. One of the things John, who writes this, keeps telling us is that he's an eyewitness of these events. And uh, the story that we've just read uh, is full of uh, little details that only a witness would be able to remember. Uh, The fact that Jesus is on the shore and has a charcoal fire is uh, something that a witness could remember. The number of fish, 153, Uh, such a strange number, uh, only a witness would remember. The fact that it's early in the morning and that they fished all night is a little detail that uh, a witness would catch. Uh, Exactly who was there, seven of the eleven disciples. Again, uh, something only a witness uh, would remember. The fact that uh, Peter jumps into the sea uh, with his clothes, uh, something a witness would remember. Um, The fact that they are 100 meters offshore, 200 cubits in uh, the original text. Um, all of these things show you uh, this is an uh, eyewitness account somebody somebody who was there I like the fact that Peter starts off they're waiting for Jesus to show up in Galilee and uh, as they're waiting around Peter says to the rest of them I'm going to fish and uh, so they join in and they go to fish and then they fish all night and they catch nothing and uh, finally as dawn is breaking uh, someone on the shore calls out to them. We know it's Jesus, but they don't know that. Try the other side of the boat. And I, if I was the fisherman, I would go, "Oh, yeah, thanks, buddy." <laughs> I always advice from somebody on the shore on where the fish are. Uh, but they do it, and amazingly, they cannot bring in the net. It's so heavy and so many fish. And John is the first one to clue in. It's Jesus. It's, it is the Lord. And typically Peter, this is beautiful, he is fishing in his underwear or fishing naked. And uh, when he hears it's the Lord, he puts on his clothes and then casts himself into the sea. Uh, the same word that is used for throwing the net into the sea Cast the net into the sea. That's the same word is used of Peter. Casting himself into the sea. Beautiful. Uh, Actually, from this time on, he is no longer a fisherman. When he casts himself into the sea, the fishing is done. And now he is looking after people. He is truly a fisher of men. Uh, Beautifully captured by him jumping into the sea. I can just see Peter being so excited putting on his clothes and then jumping into the water. Uh, The irony uh, is that he can't catch fish. The irony, he can't catch fish, he can't feed himself, but with Jesus, anything is possible. Not only can he feed himself, they catch enough fish that uh, they don't need to work for a whole week. They have caught a whole week's worth of work In one cast. Now, everybody, everybody has a fish story. My, my best fish story, and I've told it before. You know it. Um, I was fishing underneath the bridge, and uh, I can't remember. But I can't remember what time of day it was, whether it was late at night or early in the morning. I was catching. I was fishing, trying to fish. The guy beside me was from Detroit, an African American. And he was fishing for sturgeon, and so he was telling me how he cooked sturgeon and and how he would invite his whole family over. He would barbecue it and slow and smoke it for a day, and then they would come and have like this 125 pound fish, and and it would take a whole pile whole pile of them to eat this sturgeon. Okay, that's what we're talking about. Well, I'm fishing. Finally, I got one, a big one, and I was reeling it in. And everyone along the shore was going, wow, look at that fish. And every once in a while, it would come up and break the, break the, break the river. And you could just see how beautiful silver this fish was. And uh, everyone was just amazed. My rod was bent over. It was just a big fish. And finally, I got it in a little closer. And we could see what it was. And everybody on shore goes, oh, that's terrible. And I'm going, what do you mean it's terrible? I got a big fish here. They go, no, that's a sheephead, freshwater drum. Well, I didn't know what a sheep head was. So we, I bring it in, put it in the net. We get it up out of the water. And uh, I say to the African-American from Detroit, I go, I go, get the freshwater drum. Uh, what do I do with this? He said, he said, actually, they're good for eating. I'll tell you how to cook it. You uh, fillet it and then put the whole fish on a board and you put the board in the oven for 350 for 15 minutes and uh, so i said okay and he says afterwards you take it out you throw away the fish and you eat the board (laughs) i said okay you're telling me it's not a good fish to eat (laughs) Now, I don't, remember, I don't remember anything else about what happened that day except the story he told me about cooking, how to cook the fish on, on a board. I, I'll remember that till the day I die. Just like the disciples remembered they had 153 fish because Jesus told them to cast on the right side of the boat and then when they got to the shore, there was a charcoal fire, and they could remember everything about it and all of the details, because it was miraculous. It was astounding. And these details were seared into their minds, never to be forgotten. Just a beautiful story. One, and I, I, I we, we started off a series, One on One with Jesus, and this is the end of that series, one-on-one with Jesus. And here it is, Peter, one-on-one with Jesus, on the shore of Galilee, by a charcoal fire, after a tremendous miracle. I I was uh, wondering this week, as I thought about this, I go, I wonder how God did this miracle. Now, we don't know how God does any of the miracles. I don't know if God just goes, okay, I want 153 fish on the right side of the boat, and he just creates them out of thin air. I wonder if he does it that way. Or I wonder if he does it this way. Two years before this event, God goes, you know something? I'm going to need 153 extra large fish in two years. So we're going to lay some extra eggs this year, female fish, (laughs) and no one's going to catch these 153 fish For two years, because I've got something special. And I think God is just up there and he's tickled pink for two years as he thinks of the disciples throwing the net over the right side of the boat as as he tells them to cast it over there and catch 153 large fish in one catch. Not only is it amazing that they catch 153, when he tells Peter to drag it on shore, he goes, the net isn't even torn. Not only is there the miracle of the fish, there's the miracle of the net. Because the net would normally tore. You don't normally drag the net onto shore. That's hard on the nets. Um, As the rest of the disciples come onto shore, there's Jesus and he's got breakfast ready for them. And once again you see, the risen Lord has a real body. He can make a fire. He can put fish and bread on a fire. And he can sit around it and eat it with you, and he can tell you things, and you can ask him questions, and he will answer questions with appropriate answers, which doesn't happen if he's just in a, in a an hallucination, or a phantasm, or whatever whatever other explanation people come up with for why the disciples saw Jesus after the, after the crucifixion. The only explanation is he truly did come out of the grave with a physical body, literal resurrection. Verse 15 in your bulletin. When they would finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, or Simon bar Jonah, do you truly love me more than these? Notice, do you love me more than these? Because Simon was always the one, Lord. Even if any everybody else falls away, I will never fall away. Better. More faithful. More loyal. More loving the best, the pride of the, of the disciple. Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Not You know I love you more than these. You know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you," Jesus said. "Take care of my sheep." The third time he said to them, "Simon, son of John, do you love me?" Peter was hurt, hurt because he had denied Jesus three times. Jesus is not a part. A, a, a part a, he's, Jesus is not reluctant to bring our, bring our past failures up to us. Right? You have to own up to those. That is who I was. That was what I did. I did fail. It's acknowledging that and realizing, yes, I failed. Now you can say, you know something? I do love you. I also think that Jesus is saying, you know something? I know you denied me. But I'm still asking you to feed my sheep i still want you peter peter was hurt because jesus asked him the third time do you love me and he said lord you know all things you know that i love you jesus said feed my sheep it's interesting that uh, the greek there are different words for love and uh, you find two of them here jesus asked did you agapao me agape love Peter always responds with, yes, Lord, I phileo you, phileo love. And then the third time, Jesus asks him, do you phileo me? Yes, Lord, I phileo you, I love you. Um, I think John often uses these words interchangeably. For instance... John 3.35 says the father agapao's the son, loves the son. And in John 5 it says the father phileo's the son, he loves the son. Or also when he talks about the beloved disciple, John. The other disciple whom Jesus phileo that's John 22. Or the other disciple whom Jesus agapao John 21. He often uses both of those things. Agape love is the love where I choose to love. I choose to put what is best for you ahead of me. And phileo love is that love that is loyal. The love of family and the love of friends and the love of country. Both of those words for love, wonderful words. Um, Let me give you a number of applications of the text. Number one. Jesus is in the restoration business. He's in the restoration business. Um, He does not use perfect people. If you're here today and you're perfect and you've never done anything wrong, well, there's something wrong with you. (laughs) Because human beings fail and uh, they sin. And our only hope is in Jesus Christ. And he is willing and able to restore. And uh, there is uh, nothing so bad that he does not want to take you back to forgive you of your sin. If you are repentant, he will forgive you. And he will use you. Restoration, though, is painful and hurts. Like this is painful and hurts for Peter. But it's necessary. And here in front of his disciple, disciples, here, here in front of his friends, the other disciples, of course, uh, were not, they, they weren't perfect themselves. They as well had run away from Jesus and left him all alone. But here in front of the other disciples, Jesus reminds him of that denial. Point number three. Peter has learned humility at last. Do you love me more than these? The answer is not, Lord, you know I love you more than anybody else. I love you more than these. Of course, I love you more. The answer is not, even if all others fall away, I will not. The answer is, I love you. I love you. Peter now acknowledges the supremacy of Christ's knowledge. In the past, Christ would say something and Peter would disagree with him. No, that's not what's going to happen. This time, uh, notice he accepts it. Verse uh, 18. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. Someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. By the way, that's beautiful. You're going to die, and you're going to be crucified. Follow me. Okay, (laughs) I will. Number five. If you love Jesus, you will love the things that he loves. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Take care of my sheep feed my sheep. If you love Jesus Christ, you will love Christians. Okay, I think I think that's a huge point. Um, I've run into a lot of people who would say, you know something, I love Jesus, I just don't like churches or I don't like people who go to church. And I'm going, well, you don't really love Jesus then. If you, if you don't love people who give their lives to Jesus Christ and want to live for Jesus Christ, if those aren't the people that you want to help, you don't really love Jesus. You might love something else, but it's not Jesus Christ. Those who love Jesus love the people that he died for. Doesn't that make sense? Uh, if you read the New Testament uh, you can't help but miss the fact that we as Christians those of us who follow Jesus we are called to help fellow Christians right they are they' th- those are our fam. that's our family those are our brothers and sisters those are the people that Jesus loves and that's what that's the job that he gives to Peter do you love me I love you then you feed my sheep do you love me I love you feed my sheep do you love me I love you Take care of my sheep. Uh, I think Jesus would say the same thing to you today. Do you love me? Lord, I love you. Hey, help my sheep out. (laughs) Um, Notice these things about uh, feeding my sheep. The primary requirement for helping the sheep, primary requirement for you to help the sheep is to love Jesus. Right? That's the first thing. First thing he asks them is not to feed his sheep, but do you love me? I love you. Then, okay, you can feed my sheep. So number one, love Jesus. Number two, recognize that the flock belongs to Jesus. Now, many of us in this church have taken a primary responsibility of feeding sheep. As a pastor, that's what it means to shepherd, feed sheep. That's my job. Right, I have to feed sheep, and uh, that's that's one of the primary ways to take care of sheep. Every Sunday school teacher, right? As you teach, you're feeding Jesus sheep. Every Sunday school teacher, that's huge. You're feeding Jesus sheep. Every parent with a child, you're feeding Jesus sheep. Uh, Everyone here who gives testimonies or leads Bible studies or shares at Bible studies, you're helping to feed sheep, Jesus' sheep. And they belong to Jesus. Uh, He says to feed sheep, feed my sheep because sheep really need help. (laughs) That's all of us. We all need help. And I think when, when uh, Jesus said to Peter, feed my sheep, Peter takes that and his thinking is, I've got to help John and I've got to help James and I've got to help Matthew and you, you name it. I've got to help Mary, the mother of Jesus. I've got to help Mary Magdalene. I've got to help James, the brother of Jesus. I have to feed the sheep. Wherever I might find them, my job is to feed the sheep. Notice the primary responsibility in the sheep is feeding. Feeding the sheep. Not uh, by lording over them or not by not by uh, taking things from them, but by giving to the sheep. I think Matthew captures that when he says... Make disciples by baptizing them in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. How do you feed the sheep? Give them the words of Jesus. The Roman Catholic Church uses this text to prove that the Pope is in charge of everyone else. Um, Now, the Roman Catholic Church is right in this way. Peter is given primacy of position. The Roman Catholic Church is right in that. That's what they believe. They're right. However, Peter fulfills that by... Acts chapter 1, he is the initiator of the 120 as they pray and as they wait for the Holy Spirit. He preaches the first Christian sermon in Acts chapter 2. He travels to many churches, he writes two New Testament books, and many of his recollections are captured in the Gospel of Mark. The Roman Catholic Church is wrong in this way. There is no apostolic succession here or anywhere. So in other words, Jesus says to Peter, I want you to feed my sheep. And the Roman Catholic Church goes, well, he said that to Peter. Therefore, the one who comes after Peter has that same primacy. And I would say, I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. Apostolic succession. That's what the Roman Catholic Church is built on. That Peter's authority then goes to the next pope and then to the next pope and and on and on and on. That is not in the Bible. Number two. Notice the flock is not told to follow Peter. Notice it doesn't say to to the sheep, hey, whatever Peter says, that's what you're supposed to do. Number three. Other portions of the New Testament give local elders oversight. In other words, Peter is not the bishop of all of the churches. The the elders are called bishops of the churches. They're given oversight of the churches. And finally, number four, Peter fulfills these commands in ways that I've already mentioned. So what does this mean for you and for me? First of all, Jesus Christ truly was resurrected with a physical body. You can count on that because here you have a post-resurrection appearance. Number two, Jesus calls us to be like Peter and to love him. One of our primary obligations is to love Jesus Christ. Number three, if we love Jesus... We will love his people, and we will help them, and we will feed them. And number four, these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing this you may have life in his name. These things are written to us so that we can believe in Jesus. No one else has been resurrected from the dead, still living today. Jesus Christ is the only Lord. Put your faith, trust in him alone. Let's look to the Lord in prayer.